Hello everyone and welcome to an NCP conversation. My name is William Khan and I am your host and I am so excited for you all to be here. Today is the number two episode of an NCP conversation and today we are going to go through James chapter 1 and verse 1. Before we start a couple of house cleaning uh, announcements, um, I was hoping to get this to you guys last week. A couple of things came up and so this will be the second week that we're doing this. Um, I look forward to putting this one out for you all to enjoy. I also uh, am excited to put a third episode out and that will be the breakdown of this sermon. Today is Father's Day. Um, my w- lovely wife comes home from being in Cambodia for over a month and um, just a uh, uh, special Father's Day to all the dads out there. We need good men in our homes, in our communities, and um, I just pray for all the fathers out there. I pray for all the men out there. May God shine a beautiful bright light uh, into your life so that you may love your families, so that you may love your community and your friends and your co-workers. And I am excited that you are listening to this podcast. So, as I said, today we are doing um, the first sermon, and the title is Seeking Mentors in Truth. Um, thank you for listening. I look forward to going through this sermon with you. Okay, dokie. So, I have a question for all of you out there. In the age of information, which is an age we are living in, who do you turn to for help? There's a story that once there was a young man, a prankster named Ken. One day, he stumbled upon a time machine. He quickly asked the question, what should he do with his newfound toy? Being the prankster he was, he thought to himself, I will go back in time and I will confound the greatest scientist in the world. And with a quick glance at his phone, he went back to the year 1880 to visit the great Thomas Edison. Edison had just finished his education at Copper Union and was working on one of his great inventions when a blind, a bright light blinded him. Covering his eyes, he coughed, pushing away the smoke, and once recovered, beheld a young man dressed in extraordinary clothing. Greetings, the man said. I am Ken, and I am here to tell you of all the greatest discoveries of the world. And with that, he quickly began to explain the incredible theories answering all of Edison's toughest questions. Amazing, Edison declared. How are you this learned, yet so young? In the future, every person has this fantastic device that fits in your pocket, Ken explains. It it contains all the wonders of the world. You can learn about history from all over, communicate with friends, family, learn any language you would like. It informs you of all scientific discoveries, and it even takes pictures. People must be on this every hour of every day. What do people use it most? As asked Edison. Well, mostly to write angry comments to each other and to watch funny cat videos. There is an irony to this story and to the age that we live in. The question I have for you today is, In this age of information, who do you turn to for help? 
I don't think it's any question our world still has many problems, many statements, many thoughts that our world is still struggling with, that our parents still struggle with. For those listening, my prayer is that we journey through this talk together, you would begin to answer this question for yourself, who do you turn to for help? I was listening to a speaker a while back, and she was telling her host that those considered millennials, a type of generation, are more self-taught than generations that came before them. What did she mean? What she meant is that Generation X, those born between 1965 and 1980, and baby boomers, those born between 1940 and 1964, learned from three particular groups, while millennials learned from two sources. Gen X and baby boomers learned from their parents, their teachers, and their mentors, while millennials learn most from their peers, and the internet. Millennials and the next generation, iGen, are known as the most self-taught group to, ex- to have ever existed. The first self-taught group. I fall under the millennial category. And it's evident to some of the reasons why we would learn from these sources rather than those who our parents and grandparents learned from. I'm not going to have the time to go into why that is, but the question stands. The question stands. And I urge you to take inventory of your own life and ask yourself, who are you learning from? Who do you go to for information? Who do you go to to gain the knowledge you need to live in this world? Is it the internet? Is it your parents? Is it your peers or is it a mentor? My path towards education beyond the standard graduating high school required by my family and my extended family began with my father's bout against cancer. I loathe the deadly disease for its impact far and wide as well as in my own home. The larger than life man who was my father, he was my hero, had shriveled to a person half his size within a matter of months. It unfortunately then took his life. I was 12 years old at that time. And I found myself without a father. No idea where to turn, life yet continued. And I continued to do what any other kid in my position would do. I tried to survive. We went through a series of difficult events after that. Because we lost our primary income earner in our household, my mom had to go back to work. We couldn't continue to live the lifestyle that we had been living and we had to sell our childhood home, downsizing to a house a third of that size. We had to endure awkward holidays, family gatherings, where there was a noticeable absence around the table. My sister, bless her heart, came back to help my mom look after my brother and I as we tried to adjust to a new normal. I asked my younger self this hypothetical hypothetical question and and I find the answer lacking as I ask, who are you learning from? To be honest, I, I definitely would not have had a good answer. I was just trying to survive, keep my head down, put my nose to the grindstone, and perhaps I would be able to come out of this unscathed. 
And as I reflect on this, no child comes unscathed from losing, from losing a parent. Luckily, I believe that God had mercy on me. Enter a man named Bear. Bear is my good friend. He is also my mentor. Having heard of my family's plight, he took time away from his life and he took me under his wing. This biker, ex-military, all-round tough guy, along with his self-proclaimed bad guy title, he had the scars to prove it. Many breakfasts at McDonald's, talking about the girls I was chasing, my grades, my spiritual walk, the things that he had done right and wrong in his life. Bear took me in like a son. I'm not sure he would even know the ramifications of everything that he was doing at the time. But having his life turned around, he forwarded that blessing onto me. There was something stabilizing about having Bear in my life. Telling me of the mistakes he had made, he, promised, he made me promise that I wouldn't make the same mistakes. I, I promised, but I still made a fair amount of mistakes of my own. From the time Bear accepted me under his care as a young man, I recognized the importance of a mentor. I recognized the importance of knowing where and who I was learning from. Bear was and is still one of my greatest teachers, and the lessons I've learned from him, I've kept to this day. My question to you is, who are you learning from? I believe everyone should have a mentor. Millennials, you should listen up. Gen, I, Gen, pay attention. You can't just learn from your peers and the internet. I know we live in this beautiful age, 2018, this idea that the internet is this information superhighway where you can go to Google, ask a question, and it pulls up the best answer for you. I understand it, but why can't you use the internet as your guiding force throughout the world? Because guess what, you're going to end up spending the majority of your time watching cat videos and either writing or reading mean comments from the peers you so adore and hope to learn from. We youth are naive. This, this is not an insult, this is a fact. You and I don't know as much as we hope to and as much as we should and even less than that. You and I need a mentor. We need people in our lives who, can, who we can learn from. Mentors who will care about us and the path that our life is on. We need mentors. We need older, wiser people to tell us of their faults and failures. A phrase I found more and more true is that hindsight is twenty twenty. You have much better vision looking at what you could have done instead of the road you decided to take. <laughs> a mentor can point out difficulties coming down that road because they may have traveled it, or they may have had a friend who's traveled it, or they may have had stories of the dangers that it entails going down that path. They can point out difficulties they, that they've swerved away from. They can point out the potholes they've hit they're screaming at you, look out, do not hit that one. Mentors have their mistakes, have had mistakes down the road of life you and I have yet to hit. Mentors can tell us of their faults and their failures. Mentors can also tell us about the successes and shortcuts. 
I sat down with the president of a Bible college years ago. The college was trying to get academic recognition for the rigorous work of their degrees. It was tough degrees. It was a multi-year process to get this academic uh, accreditation. One day, this president sat down with me. Uh, I, I actually don't remember if it was just with me or if it was with a, a large group of people. But he said that he had finally found the secret to the success. He had been only connecting with the Ministry of Education so often, possibly no more than once a month. In the final years leading up to the accomplishment, he was told by another mentor that he should be calling once a week. Once a week, he exclaimed. That advice was a shortcut towards the school being rewarded for its rigorous learning. See, this president didn't want to be a bother. He didn't want um, academic learning from a biblical institute to be scrutinized because he was pestering the Ministry of Education. Little did he know, though, that his uh, phone, his often phone calls were taken instead as a bother, but as energetic energy, pushing the ministry to get on with its duty to increase post-high school education. Because of his rigorous because of his duty, because of his actions, accreditation came along much quicker. He taught me two things. One, if you want something, pursue it. Two, you need a mentor. See, mentors can teach us of the success and the shortcuts. Mentors teach us from their experiences. The example I would have here is that it would be like driving in a city you don't know with a GPS system at your disposal. See, it's something that knows the way and can show you the way. Better than that, it's not a GPS, but an all, your own personal taxi driver who has driven in that city for years. A taxi driver that doesn't only know the way, but he knows the back roads the time you can save, the extra five minutes avoiding the traffic instead of sitting in the middle of it so that you don't miss that important date, so that you don't miss that important uh, flight, so that you don't miss the beginning of the meeting. Mentors know the life. They have been driving in the city of life for longer than you and I have. And they can tell you of the things you and I have yet to encounter. They can see the detours. They can see the uh, recognition of rush hour and of uh, dangers that are going to come into the road of life. Who are you turning to for help? One other source of mentorship will come through books. And through books such as written by Aristotle and Socrates can give you great philosophical understanding. There's another place that we should be looking as well. That book is called the Bible. Recognized to many as a book full of truth and life, but to others it is filled with contradictions and confusing statements. This second claim has led many to challenge the claims of the Bible as the word of God. Now, I can go into 
the claims and I can tell you at length uh, the confusing statements and how we are able to uh, walk around and walk through these things as it is intended to be heard. But I don't have the most time. Perhaps that's going to be for a later episode. Instead, let me state that I know of these claims. And if you've listened so far, you have liked what I've been saying. Know that these claims that there are inconsistencies in the Bible shouldn't be enough to stop you from reading the text for yourself or listening to a sermon such as this. Some of you have disregarded the Bible without even opening it up. Some of you have then opened it up. And, and, and because you cherry-picked a couple of verses and said, I don't like this, I don't like that, without finding a mentor to actually guide you through the holy text, you have abandoned it completely. And, and, and you sit down. And if you were to sit down with an expert, if you were to sit down... And, and fully understand what the Bible means, maybe you wouldn't be so quick to ignore it. The Bible is filled with beautiful, life-giving lessons. And such is the book of James, a book we will be digging into and exploring the truth held within its pages. James is a book in the Bible. It is a letter from a mentor to his mentees. We know that James, the author of the book, was the brother of Jesus. James would have been uh, the younger sibling of Jesus, growing up with him, seeing him in actions. James would have first rejected the claims about Jesus being God, as who here would really acknowledge their brother or sister being the anointed personification of God. <laughs> And and, and all the way up to his death, James would have considered Jesus, I I don't know, uh, uh, maybe maybe an imposter, maybe maybe some outrageous older brother, you know, who would have been one day an uncle to his children. (laughs) You know, the crazy uncle that nobody listens to. Yeah, that's Jesus. (laughs) But then all of a sudden, James... Jesus leaves his family business, the, the, the woodworking, the carpeting, um, the, the good life that he was building for himself to go and get these ragtag of disciples, these 12 disciples, to teach them about God and about the Bible. And, and he does this for three years. And at the end of it, he is taken by Jewish leaders, the people you respect, the people you, you look up to. And, and, and they accuse your brother of doing this awful thing of, of being heretical against the God that you love and serve. And then not only that, but they take him to Rome. And under the authority of Rome, Rome crucifies him. Killing him on a cross. And he dies. And then three days later... You find out that the tomb is empty. You find out that the grave has been robbed of the body of Jesus. And then you find out, or you see, the risen Christ, your brother who has come back from the dead, wounds in his hands and in his feet, and a 
a mark in his side where the spear had pierced him. Upon that resurrection, James would have accepted Jesus as God. And then being the brother of Jesus, he was recognized as the first pastor and leader of the church in Jerusalem. The first converts to Christianity, the first people who would have followed Jesus would have fallen under the mentorship of James. For you history buffs, you know what comes next. This group of Jewish people would have begun to turn away from their religion of Judaism. They would have stopped listening to the Jewish elders and they would have begun to recognize themselves as Christ followers. And so what do you do if you're a Jewish leader and this heresy has popped up under the very holy city that you live in? You begin to stomp it out. For the history buffs, people began to die. Jewish people who accepted Jesus began to die. Jerusalem would have no longer been safe for the followers of Christ. And so, among the early converts, fear spread and they flew the coop. This letter in James 1, 1 would have been said to the 12 tribes in dispersion, as stated in an ESV Bible, essentially to the renegade Jews who at one point under the tutelage of James would have been on the run. No longer safe for Christians, they were running to neighbor, neighboring countries and beyond that taking the message of Jesus to different parts of the world. The story doesn't end there, however. We, just, we get more of the information for the people in these different countries would have been outcasts, weirdos, believing in the resurrection of the dead, definitely the minority. They may have been persecuted by other Jews who believed they were perverting the doctrines of Judaism. In these countries, the rich were opposing them, and superficial religion was seeping into the ideals of Christ. They may have even been bitter, having a terrible attitude based on what had happened to them. They needed guidance, and they didn't know who to turn to. Who do you turn to? Having the heart of a proper mentor, James wrote this letter to them. Caring for them, he reached out offering advice on how to, on how to handle such topics, guiding them as a father would guide his son halfway across the country. James would teach them through this letter in order that they would know how to live as Christ followers or in today's world, Christians. James was a good mentor to them. They would have turned to James for help. Who are you turning to? My hope is that as you think about this topic of mentors, that you will take time in your life to think about those who are in that life, who could care for you, who could guide you upon a path towards wisdom and right living. Who could you be learning from? What are the struggles you are dealing with in your life? 
who could speak to your financial statements, who could speak into the relationships of your life with your significant other, who could help you on your career path, who could teach you to be a man, who could teach you to be a woman. Who are you going to learn from? Who are the mentors in your life? My prayer is that as you take time to seek mentors who can point you to truths that may not be evident in your life. I pray that you find wise men, that you find wise women who can teach you the things that are right in front of you, that would save you from suffering, that you could choose wise counsel that leads to life and blessings and shortcuts to the good things in your life. My prayer is that the truth will be revealed to you. My final point is that you would turn to Jesus who did not stay dead in the tomb but was risen up because there was no fault in him to find him for death. My prayer is that you would turn to Jesus as a mentor. Many of you have heard the name of Jesus. Perhaps this is where, or as a God, or as a non-significant deity in the life of a family member who prays for something when they are in need. I believe Jesus to be the truth. I believe Jesus to be God. I believe that he lives today in heaven reigning with God. I believe Jesus is the high king who reigns above all men. See, the point of this talk is not that Jesus was a great teacher. No, Jesus was more than that. He was God. He was in heaven before he came to earth, before he put on human flesh. I believe he came to earth, lived a perfect life, and began to put into motion a plan that would save you and me from death. For me and you are destined for the grave. And that is a sickness of man that we can't avoid. So God came down, took our place as a man, lived a perfect life, and sacrificed himself so that me and you may not have to face death, but may have life and life eternal. Jesus is not just a good teacher. He's not just a mentor. He is God. My prayer for you is that you will turn to Jesus for help because he is in heaven listening. He is waiting for you to turn to him, to offer up a prayer of, please God, help me. And I pray that you would pray for your specific needs, for healing, for anything that you might need. And may Jesus answer you. May he be kind to you. Jesus is the greatest helper in all of history. If you do one thing after this talk, I ask that you take a few seconds to ask Jesus to reveal his truth to you. I ask that you would ask Jesus for help with a particular struggle in your life. I ask that you would tell Jesus what is going on with your life and wait to see if you have a greater insight to the matter at hand. I believe Jesus answers prayers. And I believe that Jesus will answer your prayer. I believe he will reveal the truth about your life. I believe he will be your greatest helper in your greatest time of need. My question I leave for you today still stands.
Who do you turn to for help? Thank you for listening to today's sermon. My name is William Kahn. I hope it was helpful and that you have taken something away from today's discussion. You may not agree with everything I have said, but I believe that you should take this topic to your friends, to your family, to your co-workers, and allow your mind to, to develop through a community of learners. I pray that you go to find a spiritual guide, a mentor to help you with the things that we talked about today. I believe that you do. And, and more importantly, that you turn to Jesus. I believe that you do. That you will find life and, and life eternal. May God bless you today and forever. This is William Kahn. You have been listening to an NCP conversation. We'll see you next time.